you know, when I came here um, as a youth pastor in 1981, if you can imagine that, I was six years old when I, when I took over. <laughs> and uh, I, one of the things I found out after I got here was part of the job requirement for being a youth pastor at that time was the church did an annual ski trip every year. And um, it was my responsibility to help coordinate that. And uh, I had never snow skied before, um, and I never thought I would ever find anything that I would love to do as much as playing basketball, but I absolutely fell in love with snow skiing. And uh, so every year we would take a group to Winter Park, Colorado, and, and we would ski, and it was just so much fun. One of the fascinating things that I discovered when I started skiing that I never knew before um, was I, I was skiing down a slope and I noticed that there was a guy as I was coming down, they were on the left side and I was kind of flying down the right side and I could tell there was a, a guy and he had some kind of vest on and there was a guy skiing really close behind him and he was talking to him as he was skiing. And when I got past the guy and looked back, I saw on this guy's vest, it said, blind skier. And it freaked me out. I mean, it was like, I couldn't even imagine trying to go down a mountain, you know, with all of the bumps and everything and, and, you know, as fast as you go sometimes with all these people around and doing it blind. Now, after you ski a while, you learn that you really do kind of feel the mountain with your feet and your legs and, and you can get to where you can, you can do that. But can you imagine, can you imagine the trust you'd have to have in the person behind you? You know, and you hope that they don't stutter. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to get somebody that's behind you, and then because the guy who's guiding them is going left, right. You know, move for the right. You know, there's some people. Slow down. You know, but can you imagine getting something caught in your throat, and the guy behind you's like, <coughs> you know, I can't, I can't. You know, and the blind skiers go, what do I do? You know, it just, it just kind of, you got to have an awful lot of trust in that person. But the other thing that hit me, and I, I hit, and I thought about it this week when I was working on the message today was how acutely the blind skier had to listen to his guide. I mean, if you've ever skied, you know, there's a lot of noise that goes on in the mountain. There's equipment and all this kind of stuff. And there are skiers that are yelling at each other. And you, and you would really have to, as, as, a, as, a, as a skier who's depending on somebody talking you down the mountain, you have to be acutely listening to what they say to know what you are supposed to do. And I thought about that, and I thought that would be really hard for any of us who weren't blind, because we're we so easily distracted that it's really hard for us to lock in, I think, on what people are actually saying to us. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, last week, we kicked off this new series called The Seven Habits of Great Relationships, and uh, if you weren't here last week, if you didn't get a chance to watch it online, really want to encourage you. Uh, last week I talked about the habit of honesty. And here's the deal, gang. Until, until we get honest with God and we get honest with ourselves and find the courage to really be honest with one another, we're never going to be able to have great relationships. And I really encourage you to go back and, and just spend some time with that because I think that's so important. Um, and relationships are so important to God. Uh, it's, it's important how we relate to him. And believe it or not, it's really important to God how we relate to one another. I said this last week, you know, Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said in a second one, equally important to love others as you love yourself. And so we're talking about how do we do that well? And uh, this week, I want to talk about this habit of listening. 
You see, just like we have to really learn to listen to God, to have a great relationship with God, we really have to learn how to listen to each other if we're really going to have great relationships with each other. Come on, now, let's just take a step back for a second. It's just us. We're just all common folk here. How many of you would be honest enough to admit listening is probably not your strong suit? How many of you would be willing to admit that? Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to someone and it's not their strong suit? Yeah. There we go. That's better. Yeah, that's better. Well, I want, to, I want to talk about that. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can, you can track along with us. We'll throw everything up on the screen so you can follow along. By the way, we have Bibles in the pews. If you want to look at the verses in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, you can look those up for yourself. Uh, but those Bibles are our gift to you. If you'd like a Bible to take home, feel, feel free to take one. If you have a friend or someone who needs a Bible, please feel free to take it to them. That's our gift. I want you to look with me at a passage of Scripture from James chapter 1. Verse 19, only one verse. Let's read it out loud together. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Let's read that last part again. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Okay, how many of you got enough you to go home and work on some stuff right there. That's all you need, yeah. Because when I read that from James, I think we get this exactly backwards, man. I mean, so many of us, man, we're, we're quick to speak, we're quick to get angry, and then we listen later. And James says, you know, we, we need to learn to flip this around. And this is so key. Because the day we learn to listen first, I guarantee you, it, it'll improve the quality of your relationships more than you can even begin to imagine. Now, if, if we're honest, listening isn't easy. And when I, when I sat down this week with this, I, I started thinking about what does it really take to, to really listen and listen in a way that really engages people? And here's what I came up with. On your outline, you can track along with me. First of all, listening takes time. It just takes time. And, and that's one of the reasons that I think most of us uh, don't do it well. And I'm going to say particularly those of us who are moms and dads, uh, one of the reasons we don't always listen well to our kids is because we're so busy doing stuff. We've got, we've got things to do and we're trying to get from one thing to the next. And, and often we're so busy, we just don't feel like we, we want to make time to do that. But listening takes time. Um, and time is one of the most precious commodities that people have. Um, on the, a few weeks ago in the Sunday paper, uh, one of the comic strips that Wanda and I love because it's two old people and we're two old people now, it's uh, the comic strip Pickles. Anybody read Pickles in the comic? Well, you guys don't get out much, do you? Yeah, you need, Pickles is a great comic strip, but it's not two old people. There was a great one a couple weeks ago. Here's what it said. He, Grandpa's sitting on the couch with his grandson. He says, Grandpa, that guy on TV is talking so fast, I can't understand what he's saying. Can you? Grandpa says, sure I can. I'm a fast listener. He goes, well, how did you learn to do that? He said, by being married to your gram. <laughs> he said, I listen to her so fast that I usually finish listening before she's even finished talking. <laughs> and all God's people said, amen, <laughs> absolutely. I, I love that, but it's so true because to listen, you gotta have time. The second thing it takes to, take the, to really listen is that it takes focus. It takes focus. Come on. How many of you have ever been standing there talking to someone and you're, you're 
pouring your heart out, and you can tell they are not hearing a word you're saying. Can anybody identify with this? Focus is really hard because we're so easily distracted. You know, you're, you're looking at other people, you're, you're watching TV, and for most of us in today's time, we're on our phone, and, and we, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at this screen, and somebody's trying to engage us. We're trying to make them believe we're actually hearing. We're going, uh-huh, 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 and truthfully, we're hearing very little. We're hearing very little of what they're really trying to say. You see, for us to really listen, to, especially when we're talking about these people who are in your life that you really care about, you, you've got to be able, kind of like the blind skier, you've you got to be able to shut out some of this distracting noise around you, and you've got to really engage in what this other person is saying. Listening, it takes, it takes focus. I, when I thought of this next one, it, it really hit me hard. Listening takes selflessness. Listening takes selflessness. You, you see, when I, when I really listen to you, I'm giving you something of myself. I, I'm giving you some of my time. I'm giving you my focus. I, I'm, I'm giving you my energy. For me to really listen to you, I've got to not do what I want. And I have to, in that moment, really receive you for what you want. Does this make sense to you? And man, I sat back in my chair when I had that thought and I got, my gosh, no wonder listening is so hard. Because for us to really listen to each other, we've got to go around putting one another first. And let's be honest, that's not always an easy thing to do. Another thing that it takes, and this one's going to push on you a little bit, is listening takes what I call the suspension of judgment. Listening takes the suspension of judgment. Throw that quote up from Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Now, what I thought of when I'm talking about suspension of judgment is Often, we're so intent, especially if we're talking about our opinions about something. If you're having a political conversation or, or you're having a, a conversation where you have a difference of opinion with someone about whatever the topic is, uh, it, 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 all of a sudden, what we happens in a conversation is we stop talking, really talking with each other, and we start talking at each other. And instead of listening to what each other is saying, we, we start formulating what we're going to say next so that we can jump in as soon as they stop talking with, with our idea. I want you to hear this. And this is really hard for us, but for us to really listen to each other, I've got I've to set aside my opinion about the matter for a moment. And I, I've got to engage you so that I can really hear why you think what you think. You see, we think that our job in a, in a conversation is to make sure we get our opinion across. What if it's not? What if what we really need to do in a conversation is to make sure that the person that we're talking to feels fully heard in what their opinion about the matter is? I'm going to suggest that there are some of us, particularly as parents, I'm going to suggest that at least somewhere along the way, some of us have jumped to conclusions with people in our world simply because we didn't take the time to fully listen to why they did what they did or what that, why they're saying what they're saying and because we jumped to a conclusion and went right to what we thought was accurate 
we said something or did something that later we had to come back and retract because we found out the truth. That suspension of judgment is a big deal in listening to people, which is one of the reasons, I'll be honest with you, which is one of the reasons why in our culture today it's so hard, I think, for people to have an honest conversation. Last thing, listening takes humility. Listening takes humility. Let's do a little group therapy this morning. Everybody repeat after me. I might be wrong. Uh, That was about 10% of the audience. Let's let's try that again. I might be wrong. wrong. Now, the day that we come to that in a conversation, that that we really understand, I might be wrong. I may not know anything. Look at me. The day that we come in a conversation to the point where what you have to say is even more important to me than what I want to say, the day we come to that, that's when we'll really be good listeners. It it, it takes humility to honestly be able to step back, that selflessness that we're talking about, just to really step back and say, I want to value what you have to say even more than I value getting my point across in things. I love what Paul said in Philippians. He said, be humble. Read it with me. Be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Some of, again, we're, sometimes we're just, we're full of pride and we want to we wanna say what we want to say instead of really listening to what others have to say. <laughs> I've read a great story. Uh, one of the great communicators in modern history was Ronald Reagan as, 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 as our president. Um, I don't know what you thought about him as a president. That really doesn't matter. But the man was a fantastic communicator. And uh, he, there was a book called Ronald Reagan, The Great Communicator. And in, in that book, they were doing different interviews. He, he told this story that I thought, this is so funny. Um, Ronald Reagan was speaking at an event in Mexico City. And uh, he had a very dignified audience of people that, that were there and all these different dignitaries and all the, all the folks. And Ronald Reagan, you know, he knew he was a good communicator. And when you know you're a good communicator, you know how to engage the audience. Ronald Reagan said he got up and he said, you know, nobody was responding to what he said. And it really annoyed him. It's kind of like when you're a preacher, nobody says amen. You know, you're just kind of going, what? What am I saying? You know, so he was, he was really trying to engage the audience. And he said people gave him very little reaction while he spoke. And when he said, when I finally got done, he said, when I sat down, there was a little, you know, and he was like, wow, I've never, I've never had an audience, you know, like that before. He said, then an, an official from Mexico got up and they started speaking and he said, you know, it was one, like the first sentence or two that this, this official spoke. Everybody went, yeah, and everybody started applauding. And Ronald Reagan said, I was thoroughly embarrassed. I thought, man, I got this guy who's really outshining me. And he said, I didn't want to show people how disappointed I was. He said, so the next thing, guy, when a guy said something and people started applauding, he said, I applauded first. I applauded louder and longer than anybody else. And he said, I started doing that every time he would say something and people said, he goes, I would jump up and yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, finally, my ambassador from Mexico leaned over and said, President Reagan, please don't do that. This guy is interpreting what you said. <laughs> Ronald Reagan says, there I am applauding for myself. You know, it's just kind of, hey. <laughs> a little humility goes a long way. Let, let, me give you, let me give you with that as a background, let me, let me just give you a few thoughts um, 
way to think about listening and some things that you can put into practice. Are you ready? Here we go. First, I want you to think about giving listening as a gift and not an obligation. Think about giving, uh, give listening as a gift and not an obligation. I put this statement on your outline. If time is the most precious commodity we have, then listening is the most precious gift that we can give. And it hit me that, you know, we think of listening as a chore. We think of listening as oh, something I've got to do. But what if you thought about it differently? What if you got up in the morning and you thought, I've got some people in my world that I love so much. What's the best gift that I could give them? And it won't cost you anything. It's the gift of listening. What if you said, I love my kids so much, I'm actually gonna sit down and listen to what they're saying. Or I love my spouse so much, I wanna look in their eyes and really hear what they're saying. What if, what if I wanted to give value to my coworkers or my fellow students and I, I actually wanted to sit down and actually hear what they're having to say. What if instead of viewing it as some chore that you've gotta do, what if you saw it as a gift? Do you realize how listening to someone gives honor to them? Do you realize that when you listen to someone, it shows them that you value them? It makes them feel special. Oh, you'll get this. Um, I had to go see a, a new doctor a month ago. Uh, it was time for my annual physical that I get every 10 years. And, uh, and uh, so I, I went in, when I went in going to see my doctor, the doctor that I had seen before had moved up north, and so I had to go see a new doctor. So I set it up and, and had my appointment, went in, and, uh, you know, the, the nurse and the physician's assistant did all the little tests and stuff and, and weighed me and did all that. And their scales are way off, man. That was just way off. But uh, they, they took me back to the room and said, doctor will be in. When the doctor came in, you, you, he looked like he wasn't in a hurry. Now, have you ever been in a doctor's office where they can't wait to get you out? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, at least felt that way, where you feel like they're, you're on an assembly line and they're just trying to shoot. This guy came in and he, he pulled my stuff up on the computer and he said, hi, and he introduced himself and, and uh, he said, oh, Steve, we said, what do you do? And I told him and, and uh, he, he started asking me questions about the church and started asking questions about this and that. Started looking at all my charts and he said, oh, okay, looks like this is good. Ah, he said, here's a couple places we probably need to work a little bit. Um, and he said, oh, you had your knee replaced. And then he turned. He just turned and said, so how's that new knee working for you? And I said, oh, really good. You want me to do some jumping jacks or something? No, he said, that, won't, that won't be necessary. But he, he started just engaging me in conversation, asking me, you know, how much are you walking? How much are you able to do with it? And did this make sense to you? I did not feel like a patient. I felt like a person. And this doctor made me feel like I was the only patient he had that day, you know, and that he had time. And I realized that they have a lot of people to get to, and I know you can't spend hours with them. But when I walked out, I came home and I told Wanda, she asked me, she said, how'd your appointment go? I said, man, I love this guy. I love him. Why? Because he listened to me. Does this make sense to you? What if we saw that as a gift? Second thought I want to give you is this one. When you're listening to people, seek to hear their hearts, not just their words. Seek to hear their hearts, not just their words. Sometimes, believe it or not, people have a hard time saying some of the things to you that they really want to say. 
and you have to help them say it. Sometimes in conversations, sometimes there are going to be people, they're not even real sure exactly what they want to say. They know they feel certain things, but they're not exactly even how to express it, and you may need to help them with that. That's why I love the passage of Scripture in Proverbs 20, verse 5. Read it out loud with me. It says, a person's thoughts are like water in a deep well, but someone with insight can draw them out. That's why I put the statement in the outline, listening is more than letting them speak their words. It's making them feel heard. Let that sink in for a second. Making them feel heard. In the conversations you had this last week or two with people that you really care about, just answer it in your own heart. Did you make them feel heard? You know, sometimes we wait till they get done with their sentence and we go, oh, okay, and then we, we spin off. But did we really make them feel like we heard what they said? We say, well, Pastor Steve, how, how can I do that? Can I give you just a, a couple thoughts? I won't charge anything extra for this, okay? On the top of your page, if you're a note taker, put ABC. Let me, give me, let me give you real quick ABC with this. If you really want to hear their hearts, ABC. A, ask questions. Ask questions. How people can really tell if you're listening is if you start asking them questions about what they're saying. Questions that help them clarify. Questions that you're asking them about how they feel about what they're saying. Questions that, you know, that, that help them draw it out. That's part of reaching down and, and drawing that out. Here's what happens in most conversations. People kind of open the crack of a door to see if you're really wanting to hear them. When you begin to ask questions, they know you really do. And that helps them open the door to more of their heart. B, be attentive. Be attentive. People will often communicate things with their facial expressions, uh, with the tones of their voices, or with their body language ever ever so much more than the words that they use. Um, How how many of you have ever been talking with someone and you're asking them if they're okay and they say, I'm fine, and yet you can tell by their demeanor they're not fine? How How many of you have ever said, okay, a lot of times we, we just say, well, I guess they don't want to talk about it and we go on. Sometimes that's people's way of asking us to move closer. I, I can't tell you, I, I just picture this, this scene so vividly in Phoenix uh, on a Wednesday night gathering. It was a big service we were having uh, in, in our multipurpose building. And I, this woman who walked in, and uh, I, I was talking with some of the front, but when she walked in, I, I just looked at her and I could tell by her facial expression something was wrong. And uh, so I finished my conversation and I kind of made my way back to where uh, we were sitting at tables and I made my way back before she was about to sit down and I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, hi, Linda. And she turned around. She goes, oh, hi, Pastor Steve. And I gave her a hug and I said, how you doing? And she goes, oh, I'm good. And she started to sit down and I just, I just put my hand on her shoulder. I said, Linda, don't lie to your pastor. How you doing, kid? <laughs> and she just lost it. Now, it's true. My spiritual gift is making people cry. But this woman, she just put her head on my shoulder, and I just patted her back. And, and when she finally kind of got her composure, she told me about this horrible week that she had at work. And, and she, you know, all of this stuff that was going on. And I just listened to her, you know, and when she got finished. And then I just said the 45-second prayer over and asked her. And, and, and I could tell. It, it meant so much to her. Why? Because I was attentive to what was going on. I could see it in her face. I could see it in her eyes. I could see it in her ba- body language, what she wasn't saying with her words. 
And if you are attentive to people, you'll help draw out what's going on. That last piece, the C, is connect with them emotionally. Connect with them emotionally. Paul does a great job in in Romans when he's talking about how we should respond when people are engaging us. He says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, what's that mean? That means when you're listening to someone and they're telling you something that's sad, don't be standing there like, you know, that, that's conveying you're not hearing what they're saying. Let your face express empathy for their sadness. If they're telling you something exciting, let your eyes light up and, and share that excitement. If, if, if they're telling you something that's painful, it's okay, lean in and, and, and let your eyes squint and, and, and convey something that expresses to them on an emotional level. You hear what they're saying. That creates, believe it or not, a, a connection. Uh, it was interesting, I read this thing in, in science where they talked about how when people are really connecting, there's this transmission that goes on between the brains on an electrical level. And I know that's what taking place. When a person feels heard, don't miss this, when a person feels heard, they feel loved. Amen? They feel loved. This next one I'm tempted to skip because I don't do this one very well. But you need it, so I'm going to give it to you. Don't listen to fix. Listen to understand. Don't listen to fix. Listen to understand. I I love what Stephen Covey says. He says, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And that's so true. Um, Come on, it's just us. How many of you are fixers? Yeah, and, and, and it's, just, it's, it's one of those things that for some of us, it's out of our codependency, our, our need to stop making, for letting people hurt. Some of us, it's because we do this all the time. I, I know I, I don't do this well sometimes with Wanda, and it really annoys me because at work, I, I'm, the, I'm the fixer. You know, I'm, I'm the fixer. I fix problems here. I fix this. I fix that. And I go home, and Wanda starts talking, and I'm trying to fix her. And she doesn't want to be fixed. Um, I, in fact, we were talking last night when, when we were in Arizona, Wanda was getting ready. She was preparing for the licensing exam for the Arizona counselor license. And it was really hard and it was long and involved a lot of stuff. And her life was already very busy and she was trying to squeeze that into everything else she was doing. And I, I came home and she's all stressed and she's worried and she's upset. And I said, baby, what's wrong? And she said, oh, I'm studying for this licensing exam. I, I'm not going to be able to get it. I'm just, you know, and she's just kind of expressing her emotions. Motion. You know what? I, I switch into coach mode and, you know, start, oh, baby, you got this. You're bigger than this. You're so smart. You're the smartest person I know. You got this. And I'm cheerleading. I get my pom-poms out, you know, and I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to lift her up. And she's looking at me like, you're an idiot, you know. And, and then, I go into, then I go into coach mode. Well, you know what? I can teach you some, I can teach you some uh, time-saving skills and at how to multitask. And I, I can, you know, I can give you, and, and, and the more I talk, the deeper hole I dug. Now, how many of you did that this week? Because she didn't need me to fix the problem. She didn't need me to take the test for. What my wife needed for me was to stop talking and just listen to her heart, to understand she's under a lot of stress and come alongside of her and just say, honey, I am so sorry for what you're going through. Is there anything I can do to help 
that's so much better than the stuff I threw at her. Now, again, some of us who are fixers, we automatically move to fix mode. And believe it or not, sometimes people don't want you to fix anything. Most of the time, they don't want you to fix anything. They just want you to listen. I love the story of Job. After Job went through all of his stuff where he lost his you know, family and he had lost his crops and he had, had boils all over and he was hurting. His Job's friend, three of his friends came to see him and they said, and when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and they threw dust in the air over their heads to, to show their grief. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. Read that last sentence. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Now, if Job's story ended right there, it'd have been a great story with his friends. But if you follow the storyline, the friends moved from this great empathetic moment <coughs> of listening to trying to fix Job. And that didn't go so well. Don't listen to fix, listen to understand. Let me give you one more. This is really important. See yourself as a listening ear of God. See yourself as a listening ear of God. Did you know that there are times when we engage people and really listen to them. Did you know that that not only makes people feel like they are valued by you, but did you know that sometimes that also conveys to them, God is paying attention to my prayers. I know this is hard for you to believe, but I'm gonna tell you that every single week, there are some of us that we are the answer to someone's prayer. They need someone to talk to, and you may be the ear that God wants to use. I, I love what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Read it with me. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. In other words, we're standing in for God to listen as comforters, his agents, his ambassadors. That's why I put that statement on your outline. Listening is more than others knowing you hear them. Sometimes it's letting them know God Here's them. I saw this quote by Bob Benson. I just loved it. Throw it up on the screen. Bob says, when life caves in, you do not need uh, reasons. You need comfort. You do not need some answers. You need someone. And Jesus does not come to us with an explanation. He comes to us with what? His presence. Look at me. And you and I get to be his presence. What if God... Has some people in your world this week who he wants to give his presence directly to because of what they're going through. And what if he wants to use you for that task? Some years ago, they did a, uh, they were doing a study in the rise of teenage prostitution. 
And in the San Francisco area, they were, they were interviewing these teen prostitutes, asking them the questions, questions that were kind of trying to figure out what led them to this lifestyle. How did they get where they were? What do they really need? And it was so interesting because they said in that study that the word, what they received in the end that came across, across the board from, from these teenage prostitutes was that we needed someone to listen to us. We needed someone who loved us enough and cared enough to simply hear our hearts. Did you get that? We needed someone to listen to us. Remember what I said? Listening conveys love. And can you imagine how sad it is that there are kids who grow up where their parents aren't listening to them, friends aren't listening to them, other people aren't listening to them. And so it engages them in this lifestyle to just getting someone close. What if you and I have the opportunity this week to be the healing presence of our Father by simply taking the time to listen? Amen? I'm going to ask my prayer partners to go ahead and, and take their places. And Rachel's going to lead us in a song in a moment that I, I want to pray for us. And a couple things today before we close. One, I, I hope that you will really take this message to heart. And I pray that you will spend some time with God asking the question, Lord, how, how can I be a better listener? To my spouse, to my kids, to my parents, to my friends. How can you use me as your ear? I, I hope that you will really pray that prayer. But secondly today, maybe, maybe you need someone to listen and pray with you. And this morning, that's why we have our prayer partners here. I, I don't know what you're walking through or what you're dealing with. But our prayer partners this morning would love the opportunity to hear whatever's on your heart and, and just to pray God's healing and help upon you today. Maybe you're walking with someone through something and you need wisdom and discernment and maybe you wanna pray for someone else in your family. Our prayer partners would be more than happy to, to pray. But more, most importantly, they wanna hear your heart. So if you're willing to share your heart with them, they're willing to pray for you this morning. Rachel's going to lead us in this song. Let your time be right there, whether you worship from the pew or whether you engage one of our prayer partners. Let's use this as a moment where we lean into God and let him speak to us. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, um, I, I think my first prayer, Lord, would be that you would help us to be a more attentive as we listen to you. I think of 1 Samuel 3 where he says, in those days the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. But I don't think your word was rare because you weren't speaking. I think your word was rare because not many people were listening. Lord, you describe yourself as a father, as a friend, as a guide, as a comforter. But the only way that we can receive what you have to offer is to really listen to you. And so, Father, I pray today. I know that a lot of our people are walking through tough places right now, and I know I don't have the answers for them or the power to fix their lives, but, but you do. And so I pray that you would help us to be tuned in and attentive to what you're trying to say to us. 
And Father, I pray that we would develop that same skill with one another. Lord, in such a we're such a busy culture. We're, we're so ADD with everything that we're doing and running 100 miles an hour in a thousand different directions. And sometimes, Lord, we don't give proper time and attention to the people that we say we love the most in life. And so I pray, God, I pray that you would help us to see this week as a new opportunity to focus, to take a little time, to make sure that, especially with these people that we love so much, that we look them in the eye, that we seek to hear their hearts, that we let them know we value them enough to listen to them. Lord, I believe that so many of our relational struggles that we have would really be solved if we would really just take time to listen. So help us, Father, we pray with that. Give us relationships where we're connected heart to heart, where we really hear what's going on with one another and respond in a way that honors you. And Father, help us to be your ears this week. I think of so many people out there who need to know that there's a God out there and or we can share our faith, we can share our stories, but maybe one of the greatest gifts we can give this noisy world is to be a people who turn the ear of God toward them and let them know God hears. We love you so much, Father. Thank you for this time today. It's in your precious name we pray, and we give you thanks. And everyone said, amen.